Good morning. Our Bible reading today is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 1 to 14. The title is The Covenant of Circumcision. So Genesis 17, beginning at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants, your descendants after you, for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, when you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God does bless the reading of his word. Well, this morning we are, we are going to share the Lord's Supper, but we're going to do it after uh, we've heard from God's Word because I think it is very relevant to this passage and, uh, and we're going to flow into that. So let me uh, pray and let's look at this very important passage uh, that is uh, right before us. Father God, thank you that we come before you this morning and we open your Word and we know that you are the God who saves, you are the God who promises, you are the God who has committed uh, through all of history uh, to bring a people about for yourself. And Father, as we consider this sign of the covenant, we pray that you open our eyes, you open our ears, and you help us to understand just what it is that you are speaking to us. Father God, bless us now and watch over us as we open your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, I have a mate, believe it or not, I have a mate. Um, he's down in, <laughs> I've got it more than that, but uh, one of my mates uh, is down in Bega. And every Christmas, just after Christmas, we've been heading down there to visit uh, he and his family. Uh, he was one of the elders up at Kununurra and he's become a really good uh, mate of mine. Now, what he's doing down there, though, is he is uh, managing seven Angus beef farms, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he's a really uh, capable bloke. And, um, and with beef farms, it's uh, obviously it's cows, for those who didn't know. Um, uh, beef are cows, lamb is sheep or little sheep, mutton is bigger sheep, uh, just so you're aware. Uh, but, but beef... Uh, You've got the cattle, and they're not like sheep. Uh, we've heard all about sheep in the Bible, and if you call their name, they recognise your voice and they come. Cattle are a bit different to that. They just wander and they don't really care. Uh, so you need to find a way to be able to recognise whose cattle is who. Uh, because if you've got two farms running together, uh, they need to be basically branded uh, with your brand on it. Uh, now, these days, uh, it's not so uh, intense. Uh, there's a lot of microchipping and things like that. But the, the predominant way that is still with a hot iron uh, on, the, on the hind of the, on the cow, and it, it, it sears, uh, basically destroys all the hair follicles and sears your brand into the cow. So that if cattle get lost or if even stolen, things like that, your brand is on it and you know it's yours. Uh, now, this morning, as we look at Genesis 17, we're coming to the covenant of circumcision. And it's not much different to the branding of cows, believe it or not. You see, the covenant here is a mark of the owner upon his people. It is the mark of God to set aside his people and it's his mark. Now, it's a mark which I think you go, well, why circumcision? But it's the mark of God upon his people. You see, God is establishing his mark to identify who the descendants of Abraham are and as such, who are God's people. See, verse 1 starts... With this, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. So it's now been 23 years, 23 years since God appeared to Abram uh, in chapter 15, only two chapters ago. Okay, 23 years. See, when God went through the cut animals as a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch uh, and he sealed his promises of land, people and blessing. It's now 13 years since the previous chapter when, uh, when Abram and Sarai took the, uh, took the promises into their own hands and Sarai gave Hagar uh, over to uh, over to Abram and said, we'll sleep with my uh, maidservant uh, as God is obviously not giving us a child. And they bore, uh, and she bore, Hagar bore him the son Ishmael. It's now 13 years. And if you remember, the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar who had fled uh, from Sarai and Abram and effectively gave Hagar promises which were very similar 
uh, to what he gave Abram. And, so, and then the angel of the Lord said, go back to uh, Abram and Sarai and live. So at the end of chapter 16, we're told, uh, Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave him the name Ishmael. Uh, Abram was 86 years old and Hagar bore him Ishmael. So what's important for us to understand is by this time, the only person since 23 years ago in chapter 15 that the angel of the Lord had appeared to was Hagar. Abram and Sarai uh, went through and took matters into their own hands, but God never intervened and told them they were necessarily doing the wrong thing. We're watching all that unfold. They've seen the ramifications and the issues around it. But in all for all matters, I honestly believe that Abram and Sarai, after Hagar's probably gone back and said, look, I've had these promises from God as well, that Ishmael is the son in which God will bless Abram. Well, then silence happens and nothing for 13 years. Abram's now 99 years old. I'm pretty sure no one in this room, believe it or not, or we will believe it, is 99 years old. There's a couple who are close. They obviously look 61. You wouldn't realise there are people in their 90s in this room. I know that. But, um, but then he's 99 years old. Sarai is 89 years old. Now, all this is well and truly done for them. They have the son. He's 13 years old. Abram has spent 13 years investing into Ishmael as the heir that God had promised. But it's now 23 years since God even appeared to Abram. So when God... Uh, has come again uh, in this passage, I don't think it's uh, short of a surprise. And in the first 16 verses here, God is the only one who speaks in chapter 17, in the first 16 verses. And the emphasis is on a covenant which appears nine times in the passage. It doesn't bring it out clearly in this translation, but the original is saying uh, that there's an emphasis on recommitting or reinforcing or reconfirming what happened in chapter 15. And then there's this over, uh, this, this, this mention of everlasting covenant. See, this is an everlasting covenant uh, that God has brought. Verse 7 says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. See, this is... Uh, 23 years is a very long time and I want us to just understand the, the impact this is going to have for Abram and Sarai again. Sarai is well and truly over it. She's got the son. It's not through her body, but that's it. But here we are again. In verses uh, 4 to 6, God then emphasizes that Abram will be, the son, will be the father of many nations. It's gone from descendants 
to nations. And so he changes his name to Abraham, uh, which is a reflection of that promise. And then in verses 9 to 11, God says this. He says to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. See, the mark of God's promised people is circumcision. Now, I don't know what Abram was thinking at that time, uh, but it's a sign that God has given and it is certainly a sign that no other nation has put upon themselves. So that in itself is a mark that uh, certainly uh, set the Jewish people apart. But it's a reminder that God has promised a land, a people, and a blessing. Now, I have to say, and uh, if, if, if you're a male and you needed reminding uh, of those promises, well, I think it's a pretty good place to put the sign, if you think about it. You see, God is putting it in the hands of, of, of every male so that they will not forget. They will not forget this promise. Well, now by this point, Abraham has had his promises confirmed, but he's got a son, Ishmael. He loves him, he's raised him. And then God says this to Abraham in verses 15 to 16. As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Now, 89 years old, 99 years old, this is getting beyond ridiculous. Like, surely Ishmael is good enough. And that's effectively how Abraham responds. In verse 17, he falls face down and he laughs. He laughs and he says to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. I think that's a reasonable response. Now, there's a lot of, con- there's a lot of uh, scholars who spend a lot of time debating why uh, Abraham laughs here. I think it's just effectively he's laughing at the whole situation. He's thought 13 years ago this was dealt with, but now I'm going to bear another son and finally Sarah at 90? You see, God is beyond what we want. And the point that's happening here is once again an emphasis on grace. Look at the contrast that's happening. Hagar was the result of taking matters into our own hands, thinking, hey, this is as good as it gets. And then God blesses abundantly in a, in a, in a way which is impossible impossible for us to take into our own hands 
by having a woman of 90 years old and a man of 99 years old having a child by their own bodies. And Abram's just like, this is beyond ridiculous. I think that's what he's thinking. He's laughing, going, why? What, what is going on? Well, this God is also the one who brought forth his own son from a virgin teenager. You see, God's power is beyond any of our limitations. And this is the contrast that's happening. There is the way we want to do church, the way we want to build the kingdom, and the way God will build it. And it's always surprising. And I tell you, it is almost always through people that you wouldn't expect. And there's this cycle over and over and over again, even to the point of a baby being born to, in, a, in a manger as the son of God. Well, Abram's never going to forget uh, that what is impossible for man is possible for God. And verse 23 says that Abraham had all the males in his household, including Ishmael, included, uh, including his own 99-year-old body, circumcised that very day. He responds in faith despite how much this would have been a shock to him. Isaac would become the first to bear the sign of the covenant as an eight-year-old male. So when Abram's, uh, Abraham's 100 years old, Sarah's 90 years old, given, they give birth to Isaac and they have a son. And the faithfulness of Abraham is shown through again through recognising this uh, covenant of circumcision. So what does all this mean for us? What has this chapter got to do with us today? Uh, we, don't, we don't proclaim that on the eighth day, every male born in this church needs to be circumcised. We don't do that anymore. So what is going on here for us today? Is this just... A thing of the past? Is this just something that doesn't matter to us at all? Well, a covenant and the sign of the covenant, the sign is there to point us and remind us of what God has promised and what he has done for us. To the prevailing view about the corresponding New Testament um, uh, sign is baptism. And in other traditions, and this is where we get to proclaim uh, a difference, if you go to the Anglican uh, tradition, if you go to the Presbyterian tradition, you will uh, have your baby baptised uh, when they are an infant because they say, well... Eight days old, circumcision, the new sign is baptism so we can do our babies at eight days old. Now, we don't do that here in the Baptist church. So what has what this got to do with us? What is the sign of the covenant and what do, what do we believe? Well, I'll tell you what I think is going on here. We reject the notion of infant baptism, but I want to read you Romans 2, 28 to 29. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 2, 
28 to 29. Now, to give you context, okay, Paul is in the first three verses, uh, three chapters of Romans, he's leading up to this statement uh, which quotes a psalm saying, There is no one righteous, not even one, no one who understands, no one who does good, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. Uh, and then in verse chapter 3, verse 23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. His whole first three chapters is showing that everyone needs a salvation beyond the works of the law or their own works. And in the first part, he deals with uh, Gentiles, non-Jews. In the second part, he deals with Jews. And then he goes on to say, you see, everyone needs a salvation that comes through another way. And right in this dealing with the Jews, he mentions circumcision. And he says this in uh, chapter 2, verses 28 to 29. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. See, I think this is very important for us to understand. Even back in Abraham's day, it wasn't just about physical circumcision. It was always meant to reflect this part of that chapter, which is that wholehearted devotion to the Lord. See, right at the beginning of that chapter, Abraham is told this. He's told, I am God Almighty. Now, that's El Shaddai. You might have sung that. That's El Shaddai, a name that God gives himself. I am all-powerful, almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Now, the emphasis in the Hebrew is not, is not on moral uh, moral upright standing. The emphasis is on wholehearted devotion. See, nothing's changed. True circumcision was an outward sign of an inward circumcision which should show the wholehearted devotion to the Lord. And in Romans, Paul goes on in chapters 4 to 6 to explain that Abraham, and going back to uh, a verse we looked at in chapter 15, Abraham believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness. It is the belief that we have that is a reflection of the true circumcision. Bear with me. Because the circumcision that Paul's talking about is a circumcision by the Holy Spirit. And the true mark of a Christian is one who has had their heart circumcised, ripped open, in order to be able to believe and put their faith in the Lord Jesus. Now that's the inward change that's the work of God, and it is all God, and it is by grace, just as the child Isaac given to Abraham and Sarah is by grace. There's nothing you could do. There's nothing they could do. God chose them, 
and he gave them a child in order to uh, fulfill his promise of descendants and nations and we are grafted into that through the blood of the Lord Jesus through faith. But in order to have that faith, your heart needs to be circumcised. You can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. See, this is a work of God from beginning to end. No glory to you. Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves so that no one can boast. And so when we are baptised, it is an outward sign of an inner reality. So in some ways, yes, baptism is the outward sign of the outward sign of the Old Testament. But we have to remember Jesus also, on the night before he was betrayed, said this. He said, this is the new covenant as he took the wine and the bread in my blood. Eat and drink and do this in remembrance of me. You see, we have two signs, I believe, that reflect the inward change of the circumcision of the heart. We are baptised, and if you've never been baptised as a believer, as a Baptist minister, I encourage you to come and see me and you need to be baptised. But an ongoing reminder of that, just as I believe every male Jew had a daily reminder of God's promise by the covenant sign that they were given, our ongoing reminder is the Lord's Supper. And these signs of the covenant we share because we need to be reminded of God's promises, how they're fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, how they were promised to Abraham, how it's God's work from beginning to end, how it is he who circumcises our heart, he calls us, he saves us, and he will glorify us. Can you see how that's working? Baptism and the Lord's Supper are an outward sign of an inner reality. And so when we come to the table and we share communion, it's important that if you don't consider yourself a believer, you don't take the communion. But we love having you with us and one day we hope that you do put your faith in the Lord Jesus. See, this chapter that we've just looked at is full of remarkable uh, acts of God uh, in, 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 the, in the face of Abram and Sarah just thinking it was all done and dusted. And they had forgotten that God had said that it was going to be bigger and it was going to be greater. And now he's moved it to nations and we are grafted into those nations and we are now uh, the descendants of Abraham through faith because of the circumcision of the heart just as it was uh, meant I am God Almighty walk before me faithfully and be blameless so we're going to share the Lord's Supper now uh, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, sing a hymn uh, in response nothing but the blood of Jesus uh, to just prepare our hearts and our minds and then uh, the the uh, the bread and the juice will be uh, distributed 
And uh, just hold on to both of those today, I think. I'd like you to hold on to both of those. And then after that's been distributed, I'm going to come up and, uh, and we're, gonna, we're going to uh, uh, share those together.